Citizens of Natstown is brought to you by the Ballpark Bus, with departure stations at Clydes and Ashburn, Glory Days in Reston and Herndon, the Green Turtle in Ballston, Sterling, and Dulles, and Velocity 5 in Centerville. When you don't want to drive to the ballpark, leave the driving to us. Take the Ballpark Bus. Visit www.ballparkbus.com for more information or on Twitter at, at @ballparkbus. And welcome, Nats fans, to Citizens of Nats Town. Um, we have had a, a, quite a week. Matt, focus here. Stop watching the TV. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, man. Come on. So, um, game. Game not a not a great week. Um, I mean, we we flash back, uh, go back to Thursday night in San Diego. I mean, San Diego. The start of the misery. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. Fairly accurate. As well, uh, we'll just Mark Katze, the husband Jamie Katze, uh, hit a pinch hit double, and yeah, that wasn't um, against Tyler Clippert, who last season was very good. This season has been not as good, still better than your average reliever, but not you know. Oh, we saw him. As well, awesome as he was. We saw him. Clip was phenomenal last season. So I mean, yeah, a little bit of. Uh, a slow start so far to this season. He hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been great. He hasn't been what we, you know, the guy that you he's Turns coming in the stopper, the you know, yeah. the fireman, if you will, yes. the shutdown reliever. There we go. And you know, it's fortunate that they lost. Um, you know, they they could have won, maybe should have won, but you know, they only scored one run in the game. Tough to win when you score one run. I have learned that over this uh, past week that in order to win baseball games, you need to score runs. And that's that's very tough, tough to do, especially when you're missing your three and four hitter. And now your five hitter, essentially. Yeah, but uh, we'll we'll get into injuries and the offense here in just a little bit. Um, so move on to Friday. Uh, again, uh, <laughs> the, the trend of the week is lack of offense. Uh, it was 2-3 to uh, Kershaw, who was dealing. Uh, he, he gave up a home run. I think that was about it. Yeah, um, he was very good. But <clears throat> our fifth starter, Ross Detweiler, went toe-to-toe with the reigning NL Cy Young. Yeah, that was a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty well pitched, I thought. Uh, I mean, you know, Kershaw, you kind of expect to have a – I'm not going to say – you don't expect to lose, but you expect it to be tough, and it was. But it was it was good tough. You know, it wasn't a – it wasn't one of those games you lose and you're just sitting there like, wow, this is complete misery. You're kind of watching it thinking, well, this sucks, but against Kershaw, all right. Yeah, I mean, Detweiler gave up the first two-run shot. Yeah. And they really shouldn't have, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. happens. Um, <clears throat> so, moving on to uh, Saturday. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Good gracious, this game, 
uh, great game. Uh, it's the Harper call-up. He uh, got robbed on a throw to home. Yes. Um, a, Wilson should have had it. B, B he uh, was the, well, <laughs> the, well, no, the, the you know, giant douche that is Jerry Harrison oh, Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. decided to, uh, you know, try and bat the ball away. Regardless of if he actually hit it or not, just the attempt was there. He's a dweeb. It, it bugs me. But then we go, uh, we, we, uh, Rodriguez blows a safe in dramatic fashion. That was pretty, pretty epic. That I mean, <laughs> that was that was that was probably the one extremely frustrating game. The one because we should have won it. I mean, you're gonna have games like that over the course of the season, but still, it's like. Ah. <laughs> the the one thing describe. that really bothered me about that game is they still had a one-run lead. They had D. Gordon at the plate, who represented the final out of the game. The strikeout. And look at that. It was that that he, you know Wilson Ramos should have known that Henry Rodriguez was struggling mightily with his off-speed stuff, and he was suddenly found the location for his fastball. Yeah, and he still kept so calling. why he called anything other. They end the yeah. fastball to a lightning player like D. Gordon. Just especially uh, when he's throwing a hundred miles and yeah. hundred plus at times. You know, well, especially when he's throwing throwing like that, you know, he's locating the fastball well. And, I mean, I mean, it's just it was it was it was painful. He was also overthrowing the fastball quite a bit during that. He was because there, there was a you know there's a couple wild pitches in the innings too. So I mean, there's that. Um, he at one point did have a feel for his slider. Uh, threw it twice and then got it lined into left field. Yes, I mean, it was just it, it was not a. I mean, it was pick your poison at that point of which one you actually I, wanted him to try. I feel like this is becoming a more apparent theme with Henry Rodriguez though. He has a couple of really good games and one game where he just. I'm not gonna say rescinds a little bit, but he just he, doesn't he's play well. Off. Or he's, or he's on. Yeah, and, you know, there is no lukewarm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's like it's like uh, you know people hear me say all the time about Henry Rodriguez. Now he's either he's he's always exciting to watch, whether it's good or it's bad exciting. You gotta wait and see. It's it's a uh, you know it's always it's always exciting with him, but he has been more consistent this year than he was last year with the good outings, and it's important to stick with a guy. And not just say, oh, you had one out, bad outing, we're done with you forever. you got to show some confidence in him. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason not to. He's proven to the team that he's a quality major league pitcher. Who know? else are we going to go to right now? Brad Lidge. <laughs> Brad Lidge, you know, the guy who's on a medical bed. Yeah, I think he can pitch from there. Yes, which we can. Can, can we bring him out on a gurney? I, I, think, I, think, I think that's possible. Yeah. He I just might not field his position very I well. I think whoever <laughs> you put out there, whoever you have as your closer, is gonna blow a save, eventually. Yeah. I mean, Star and blue four, five, five of them, five of them like, all via a home run, yeah. and all of them tied the game. He never yeah. lost. They all tied. I thought he got a blown save. Well, he got a blown save win. That's yeah. Yes. Um, moving on to Sunday, Chris Capuano. We really got shut out by Chris Capuano. A lot of teams have. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things where, sort of last year, he's like this year's version of Kyle Loesch. We were like, we got shut out by Kyle Loesch, and then every team starts saying that. But a lot of teams have said, Chris Kiwano, really? He did that to us? He's had a good year. And um, it's a bit annoying. But yeah. Yeah, Gio Gonzalez, he gave up two runs. It's kind of tough when you got to go out there and 
you know, pitch a shutout every single time. Yeah. It's not going to happen. True. Mm-mm. And then answer just they're going to have to score runs to win. But I'm uh, bright siding that one, silver lining. Uh, Geo, uh, granted his scoreless inning streak was broken. I mean, took it to 25 and a third innings. That's absurd given our last, what, seven years of it. Seven, eight years of existence. Yeah. Seven. Seven. Uh, seven. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, so, I mean, it's good to see. Uh, obviously, you're not going to keep up a scoreless inning streak. You're, you're just not going to. Yeah. Um, so, Monday comes around, travel day. Uh, Everybody was bored. <laughs> uh, Bryce Harper decided to play softball in the mall, oh, which yeah. is sweet. Yeah, yeah, that's um, cool. So, we get on to Tuesday, and we get uh, – we, we get Jordan Zimmerman and Cahill. Yeah. That game was a little brutal, at especially around the end uh, when uh, Zimmerman got pulled and Ryan Matthews was in with the bases loaded. and Plunks the batter. Plunks the batter. Yeah. That was a brutal game, but after intentionally walking a batter. Yeah. No, and I, I was sitting there at the park and I said, oh, yeah, yeah, come on, because who cares, right? I feel like I find myself saying that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the intentional walk. I don't like the intentional walk. Either. I like but, it about as much as I like the walk. It's not very. It's very weird, my feelings about the intentional walk. Because I was watching another game, and Matt Kemp came up with the bases loaded. And the team he was playing happened to be up by like four or five runs. I thought, walk him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> walk him. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. Walk him. Well, and I mean, you know, I remember a couple of years back, there was a game. It might have even been last year. It was either 2010 or last year, but there's a game um, where we were playing St. Louis, and every it was, went into extras. We eventually won the game, but every time Albert Pujols came up to bat, walk, walk. He certainly saw Jim Riggleman put up the four, <laughs> walk him, and he walked, and we won that game eventually. It was like a 13 inning game or something ridiculous. Yeah, I did. well, that game. Um, I mean, story of Zimmerman's season. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, zero run support whatsoever. Yeah. And then I, I kind of feel bad for the guy. Just, I mean, how it's described, um, you know, how it's described afterwards. It, it, it went as okay bad as the box score. And, and got roughed up at the end. I was like, he, he didn't really get roughed up at the end. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He, well, he left with he left with runners on base, and that's, that's where he went wrong. He, he believed in somebody from the bullpen. <laughs> well, my first thought when Matthews hit that guy was, he doesn't care. It's not his run. Right. <laughs> I mean, granted, I'm sure these guys care about runs that are brought in, but in right. the end, I mean, it, it doesn't look down. It looks yeah, down. Yeah, no, no, it's was rough. You know, Jordan had the strikeout to touch going then. Now he got six, if I recall correctly. Yes. It was, it was a, you know, he wasn't doing bad. Well, a good amount of hits, though. He did. He gave up eight hits, and that was – uh the Diamondbacks are a good hitting team. They are a good hitting team. I mean, if that lineup gets going, it can be brutal. And can we uh, just solve this myth right here? Um, Trevor Cahill isn't a bad pitcher. Who said he was? I heard I, you multiple know, I, people going back and forth of, this is Trevor Cahill. How are we letting him do this? Because he was the cornerstone of a deal last year. Well, or I this offseason. Yeah, he was, he was, you know, the the what the number two pitcher on the A's last He's year? He's what... He that they swapped him and Jared Parker, right? Was right. that that deal? Yes. Jared Parker was the number one in the Arizona farm system. I mean, this isn't some schlub that they just you know traded 
you know, some triple A guy for and, you know, got a pitcher back. He just got called up there. I think what right? it is. I mean, is that what it was? He got called no, up? He no, he didn't. No. He's been up. He's uh, been up. Jared Parker just got oh, called yeah, up. Oh, yeah, because there was a guy when they, who did they let go? Did Coleman? They let go? Coleman, they called up some. You're, right. thinking, yeah. you're thinking of uh, Wade Miley, I think, mm-hmm. who uh, should have probably gotten Rookie of the Month to the end, but didn't. Um, moving on to Wednesday's game. Bryce Harper. Oh my God! I, I I just I don't think there are actually words in the English language that can describe what we saw. I think all you have to do, I, do I, is just go, just just say he scored from second on an infield single. I enjoy watching him throw. I, think I just want to say that we try and fit five tool players to. More people than really deserve it. He's deserving of that. Wow. He's he's got the D. He plays. I mean, he'll he'll play all out if it means that he gets to a ball and it may, you know, injure him or be a, a more risky play. He's going to do it. He's going to score. You know, those hits. If there's an inch of room to get in there, he's going to find it. We saw his power last night with two. A hair away from the home. No, yeah. I mean, the first one I thought was gone. I thought it was crushed. and I was really surprised about they, 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 the wall. They both were crushed. It was a cold night at the wall. Yeah, I, yeah I'm, sure, I'm sure they were at a, I thought they were, like, upper deck. If I you look at certain conditions with the Nationals, I think maybe they played in a lot of cold-weather games. But you have a lot of muscle injuries, which are cold-weather-related. You have a lot of – you know, you have uh, – their pitching staff has suppressed power to an ungodly state, <laughs> and their offense hasn't hit with any power at all. And you know, you make a good point. We did, you know, game in San Diego. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we didn't go to San Francisco, but I mean, oh, they played San in some Diego. pitchers' ballparks. They played ballpark. in some cold weather conditions. We played all. Yeah. You know, the the parks that we played in on the West Coast, worst and fifth worst, as far as hitters yeah. over the last five years. Um, Dodger Stadium's giving up about nine and uh, 10% less runs than the average ballpark. Petco's giving close to 20. Yeah. Well, I mean, pet, everybody knows that uh, Petco is the extreme pitcher's park. Um, I know LA as well. Uh, I mean, you know, like uh, I, I remember fondly watching Adam Dunn hit a couple yeah. of, a couple of home runs <laughs> over over the foul pole or the fair pole, whatever you want to call it, in uh, Dodger, Stadium. Dodger Stadium, and John Lennon hit a home run in Dodger Stadium. Yes, I think. But the should... word fluke comes to mind. <laughs> I think we should go back to Wednesday's game for a second. Just mention that that it wasn't just the, the Bryce Harper show. No, it wasn't. Ian Desmond hit the walk off home run. That was awesome. And I mean, the best part about it was. You know, my favorite part was that it was almost suspenseful, like kind of slow to leave. Everybody was like, "Did he get all of it? Get all of it?" Suddenly, it just hits behind the fence, and you're like, "Just jump out of your seat." You know. Yeah. Well, what I absolutely loved about it is because all that day, I was going back and forth with people, and it was the consensus that I mean, granted, one game doesn't make or break you, right. but it was the fact the consensus was we're we're done with Ian Desmond. He's on a one for twenty five. This is who he is. <laughs> And this is, you know, we just need to move on and find ourselves a better shortstop. And my first question was, okay, where do they sell them? Because 
A, right. no one's going to give them to us. That's a shortstop story. <laughs> and B, we don't really have any in the minors well, just hanging out. Here's something very that I find interesting. Anyway, People talk about how Ian Desmond isn't a good shortstop, isn't major league caliber. Have they looked at the other shorts, how the other shortstops in the NL East are playing right now? Sure. What did you say was the average OPS for a shortstop right now? Average, it, it's somewhere in the, uh, in the 690 range, but we will have Matt look it up while I talk about uh, Ian Desmond is currently tied with 0.7 war, wins above replacement player, uh, with Ruben DeHotta for the best in the NL East. And if I'm – Jose Reyes is at negative uh, 0.2. If I remember this correctly – uh, now, war is a stat that, that will grow. I mean, it can get smaller if you're worse through the yes. year. But it grows throughout the year. Um, cumulative, that's the word I'm looking cumulative, for. Cumulative, yes. <laughs> so, so if you uh, play worse, we'll go ahead. Yeah. But um, last year, he was a 1.4, I believe. And yes. he's a 0. 0.7, a, a sixth of the way through the season. Right. Yes. Actually, I used uh, his war last year to sort of bait people in arguments. <laughs> because I would say, they'd say, we need a real shortstop. And I'd be like, oh, Pennington from the A's. And they're like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, he had 0.1 war better than Ian Desmond. His UZR, almost exactly the same. And let me tell you, I mean, the the first person that people were talking about before he got off to his hot start was, well, Lombardozzi is going to come in and take his spot. Lombardozzi can't play short. Lombardozzi. I mean, for more than one game, he should. No, he can't. He does not have the range of that position. Oh, not even arm. close. Or the arm too. The help. The play that we saw in the first inning of tonight's game. Yes. Where Desmond went all the way behind Lombardozzi, turned and fired it to first. A. I don't know that Lombardozzi gets to that ball. B. He's hanging on to it if he does. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Shortstop, I think people don't understand what a shortstop is. Um, and, and, you know, um, a shortstop is not typically uh, your best hitting player. They're actually, for the league, they're one of the worst, if not the worst. Uh, but they're also, it's the most difficult um, defensive position in the majors. And the average last year for errors from that position was 15. So Desmond was at what, 19? He was at 24. Oh, there's, uh, well, you know, DFAM is three right now. Yes, here we go. <laughs> the, t- the, the OPS for uh, this season uh, so far from shortstops is 668. That, that means that that's not a good hitting position. Uh, second base is 695. So again, your middle. There's a phrase in baseball that a guy hits like a middle infielder. That phrase exists for a reason. Yeah. It's because middle infielders are typically not your best hitters. Uh, the the position currently uh, hitting the best right now is one that, that this is must be all of baseball. What did you say? Uh, is for the position that's hitting the best right now? Is looks like right field. No, center. What the hell? <laughs> center field has the highest op. That's on. That's a defensive <laughs> possession as well. There must be some good center fielders out there. <laughs> I mean, that is that's that's ad, no, that's an abnormality in baseball. This is this should be the year of the center fielder. 
What did you say shortstops was? The average? 668. Anyone want to guess what Desmond's is right now? Uh, higher than that? Uh, that's yes. <laughs> How much? 700. Not quite? 680. Uh, that was not quite higher. Yeah. Uh, 710? 715. Ah. So he's uh, currently above average offensively, and his defense, if... If you have eyeballs this year, you kind of know that he's playing better defense than he has before. Yep. Because he has three errors, but one of those errors was a blown call by the first baseman. And another one on Monday night was where he ranged. He ranged deep into the hole, and he just winged a ball over towards Adam Loesch. And Loesch almost had it. It would have been an out if Loesch had it. But Loesch would have just waved at it and went under his glove. So it went down as a single and an error. But, you know, it's still a play you should try to make. True. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, I, 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 people like to pick on Desmond. They've, they've just labeled him that guy that they want to pick on. And I think it's just the way it's always going to be. Uh, I don't think Worth gets it as much as people think. I think Worth just had a bad impression, which is odd because. Desmond had a really good first impression. I thought it was is some of the some in the you know mainstream media picked up on Desmond as the leader of the team, you know, a guy that they really see as having the ultra bright future. You go back to Bowden who compared him to Derek Jeter, mm-hmm. and you know he got well, sort of got labeled as this next great superstar shortstop, and he comes up. And he's just basically your average major league shortstop. And people, this guy's not that great. And it sort of goes to the DC problem. Yeah. Where if a guy is just good, not great, but good, they don't like him. He's like, not good enough. Jason Campbell. Jason Campbell's a perfect example of the DC phenomenon. He was he was actually dead center in all sets. He was the 15th ranked quarterback in the NFL. You know, right there. About 30 teams, he's in the middle. And he wasn't good enough for D.C. sports fans. And another guy, you know, Alexander Simmons. He does bad things, and he does really good things. And they all sort of average out into an average hockey player. And he's just this pariah in in D.C., and there's really no explanation for it. Well, while we're still on Desmond right here, and we were talking about defense, Guys that you normally associate with being fairly decent defensive uh, shortstops. Reyes is one. Troy Tulowitzki. Troy Tulowitzki. And then another one would be Starlin Castro, I know. I don't think anyone considers him good defensively. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no okay. Was, okay. My bad. So we have those two. Uh, Tulowitzki sitting at a negative 1.5 UZR right now. <clears throat> and Mr. Jose Reyes is sitting at a negative 2.5 UZR. Right. Well, I think people need to realize that shortstops are a really difficult position to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why typically they're not that good hitters, because you're getting a guy that's an extremely good athlete, not necessarily a great baseball player, but a guy that can, you know, glove the ball. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a difficult position. You gotta, you know, you gotta be able to go deep and throw it all the way to first. It's you know, it's a long throw. I don't know if anybody's ever tried to. Make. Here's a here's a question. Oh, I was thinking Andrews, not Yeah. Here's a question for you on your um, baseball stat machine. What is Dave Concepcion's career uh, career offensive stats? 
Mm, because Bill Concepcion. Uh, he will look it up. Um, Dave Concepcion was the shortstop for possibly the greatest offensive team to play of the last, you know, few decades. The big red machine of the Cincinnati Reds. Their lineup was Rose, Griffey, Morgan, Finch, Perez, Foster, Concepcion, Geronimo. What am I looking Geronimo. at? Uh, <laughs> of his? His career, his career offensive stats. Career offensive stats. Let's see here. He's a 2C7 hitter. Uh, OPS is 679. Um, yeah. The shortstop for the greatest offensive team of all time, or yeah. possibly. 7.6 walk percentage at 12.3K. Um, a lot isolated power of 0.09. Yikes. Um, yeah, he's not no, what he's, you think of as a great offensive player. His value really came in his defense. That was really where his value was. But Career it, UZR is a 50. Yeah. And that's with wow. a negative 18 in 1984. Wow. Yeah, that was probably the end of his career there. Uh, but, I mean, you see just he was – um, you know, considered that's considered one of the best offenses, and he was he was part of it. And you know, even that team had guys that they just were out there. Desmond shouldn't be a lead offense. That's just you know that's a fact. But the question I you know looking at the Nats, looking at their future is, where do you put this lead off hitter? Where do you find him? Because in the outfield, you've got Harper. Got Morris, you've got Worth, you possibly have more, and then at first base you have LaRoche, Morris, Moore, and Marrero. At third base is Zimmerman. You got the catcher spot figured out, but that's not going to be a leadoff hitter. You know, you look at the typical leadoff hitter positions of center field, um, shortstop, and second base, and you know you have Espinosa, you have Desmond, and you have Harper, and even if Harper ends up moving to a corner position, maybe that's what happens. Eventually, Morris moves on, Moore goes to first base, and uh, Goodwin or Perez or Taylor, one of those guys comes up and internally fills fills that position in a couple years. I, I uh, personally, and I mean this is just me, I think um, we already kind of have the answer with. Uh, Leadoff guy. Where? Steve Lombardozzi. Over who? Uh, this is just speculation, but I mean, you know, one of these days, maybe he earns a job, maybe it's at second base. Uh, and I don't want to say that, you know, he's already already beaten anybody out, but, I, and you know, you don't want to just, you don't want to just send Espinosa down because he hasn't been playing You well. can't do that. That with, was it. Um, with how this club with their mentalities they've had so far and the track records they've done. Uh, Desmond, at the end of June last year, was hitting 224. Right. And they stuck with him the entire year. No, I, I'm just saying. But, I mean, you know, maybe he knows his trade bait at some point. I'm just saying. Maybe he is, but, you know, and maybe he's part of a deal, but it's, you don't, when you look at his talent and what he did last year as a rookie, 
giving up on him now is not the thing to do. Steve Lombardo is never, ever going to hit with the power that, that Espinosa can. True. And he's just not that type of play. If you want, I'd rather have a lineup that lacks a true leadoff hitter but has a lot of power than just sticking some slap hitter at the top of the order and saying, go get him, kid. I agree with you there. I mean, since we're on this topic, let's just jump right ahead to uh, we're going to talk a lot about the offense. We'll, we'll skip right there since we're there. Uh, I, I think the term that needs to be used is, uh, or, or the phrase that we're going to keep using is, keep calm and carry on. Uh, the, the offense isn't great right now. Um, the focus of this offseason was the rotation. And it's obvious when you look at it. And the rotations in their job so far. Uh, a 247 ERA is number one in the majors. 208 Ks is second in the majors. Eight and a half Ks per nine, second in the majors. 594 OPS against number one in the majors, and a 1.11 WHIP is third in the majors. It, the rotation, I mean, I mean, the rotation yeah. is there. The the big what the point that I'm going for here is we don't need a superstar offense. We need an average offense. What and that's it. what we need. What the Nationals really need is they need Ryan Zerman and Michael Morris and maybe even Adam Roche now to get healthy. And we don't know exactly what's wrong with Adam Roche. It's something with his oblique, which I don't like the word oblique. It's the second least favorite part behind shoulder to hear about a baseball player because you need your core to swing a bat. And Pudge Rodriguez suffered a number of oblique strains when he was with the Nationals. He never missed more than 15 days or so, but it was uh, frustrating when he did. And, uh, and you know, it's just one of those, those body parts that when it gets hurt, the only real thing to do is rest it. If you need surgery, it probably means it's detached or severely torn like Zimmerman's was. Well, let's go through this. Um, the first thing that people you know, that's been flying around is, well, we focused all this on the on the uh, the rotation in the off season. We didn't do anything with the offense. Uh, well, well, I checked. There was a whole lot of room in the lineup. We had bench spots that cleared up, but as far as who we had pin and where, even if they were at Syracuse at the time. Uh, for a either a June call-up or an August call-up, those spots are more or less penciled in already as to what the organization was going to look they, like. They were. I mean, you have the proposed opening day lineup here with Desmond, Espinosa, Zimmerman, Morris, LaRoche, Worth, and Keel Ramos. And, you know, and Keel was just there until Harper came up. Uh, but the thing about the offense, I do tend to agree with the naysayers with, is they needed to do more about the bench. Now, I remember saying this numerous times, and people really didn't like my solution. Uh, because my solution would have been Luke Scott and Cody Ross for left, left-handed left and right-handed power. And for whatever reason, people don't like Luke Scott because he has different beliefs than them, which confuses me because... He plays baseball pretty well. Well, when you uh, the injuries may have been a blessing in disguise right now because they they forced the Harper call up 
um, more, even though he's gotten, what, two at-bats yeah, uh, since he's been up. It's ridiculous. I mean, we get to the All-Star break, we could have a lineup that looks like this. We have Desmond Worth, Zimmerman, Morse, LaRoche, Harper, Ramos, Espinosa. Then we have Lombardozzi on the bench that can spell the infield. We have Tracy that can spell first base or third base. You've got Moore that can spell first base or left field. You've got Ann Keel who can spell any part of the outfield. Right. And then you've got um, backup catcher. Flores. Yeah, yeah. that's the one person. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that's a lineup that's going to score. Uh, the average in the NL scoring runs or runs per game right now is 4.06. That lineup can score four runs a game. Yeah. Yeah, it can. It's a, it's a much better lineup than what we're seeing now. Yeah. It is just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where people are just not patient. They want something done now. They they want the team to go and trade Jordan Zimmerman for David Wright or something. Well, let me go and lay this out uh, in terms of wins and losses that people can actually – that you can wrap your head around. So currently we're scoring 3.33 runs a game, and we're currently giving up 2.83. The giving up 2.83 is otherworldly. The best last year was the Phillies, and I believe it was 3.2524, right around there, uh, per game. Uh, So we we do have some regression ahead of us, uh, at least some. So... My my guess, being extremely conservative, is that Morse is back by July 1. That's looking at like 11 and a half weeks from his first shutdown date, um, as opposed to that I, I really think it's going to be closer to about 10. We'll see here in a couple of weeks how he's feeling. Um, <clears throat> so if we continue with the same offense and the same runs per game, for those, uh, how many games did I think it was 53. So we continue with those for 53 games. We go 31 and 22 about. Give a few, take yeah. a few, right around that, 31 and 22, which at July 1st puts us at 46 and 31 playing 594 baseball. That's pretty good. Yeah. Now, if we go, <clears throat> if we regress, uh, the number I used was in between what the Phillies did and what the Braves did, which were one and two last year. Right. So giving, if we are giving up, 3.4 runs a game and still only scoring 3.3. We we go 26 and 27, slightly under 500, but with the wins we've already banked, we end up at 41 and 36, still playing 5.30 baseball, and we're we're dead in the hunt when we get these guys back. And you know you don't know what moves Rizzo can do at the at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. He may look out there and he may say, you know, Espinosa is still not playing well at the trade deadline. He goes and he looks at, at you know teams that may be Houston, who's so far away from winning, moving to the AL next year, just says, okay, trade us some top prospects, and here's Jose Altuve. And he goes and he trades some good prospects, but you get Jose Altuve, who is a leadoff hitter, who is this dynamic middle infielder. What's really good about that timing is that we have a solid month of seeing that that lineup in action, granted that everyone's healthy at that point, which we all know is a, a big if concern our lineup. Yes. If everyone is healthy, you have a month to look at that entire lineup to see what moves need to be made, including a, a, an Espinosa move, if we want to dangle Lombardozzi, who we want to move and see what we can get back. Uh, 
um, that that's a good uh, a good trial period there. Um, <laughs> the the big issue I'm having with our our lineup right now is runners in scoring position. But yeah. I think the biggest issue is that we don't have the slugging percentage there. No. The guys that are going to, you know, bring in two runs with a swing, bring in three runs with a swing. And I just I, I wonder about that, you know, about where the Nationals have played. If if suddenly, you know, they go to, to, to Pittsburgh. They're going up to Pittsburgh. They're going to Cincinnati. I mean, you could fall asleep and slug in those ballparks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just... Those are hitters and bars. Oh, and wait till you see who, and they we're, haven't uh, played who we're going there. against here in a couple of days. Huh. Well, um, <laughs> I get excited. Do you? Um, let's, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's go ahead. Well, I am actually excited about tomorrow night's matchup. <laughs> Steven Strasburg versus Kyle Kendrick of the Phillies. This is uh, what we um, have come to know quite regularly on the show. It's a reverse lock. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if they've all worked out that well way because, uh, you know, the Nationals... Normally, we're on the other end of the roof locks in the past. Yeah. But Strasburg has a 1.13 ERA. And a and Kyle Kendrick has a 6.59. Actually, I have a question for you, Matt, on your Google machine there. Can uh, you look the up, Google-ometer. You yes, look up Strasburg's uh, career ERA. Career ERA. Career ERA, because I have a fifth amazing. Um, now, uh, it's important to note, Kendrick's only in the rotation because Cliff Lee's hurt. He is. And, uh, I mean, I was kind of surprised when he uh, went down. Or I was surprised to find this out. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, uh, let's see. That's what we got here. That's what happens when you leave a 32-year-old in for 10 innings. Yeah. You guess Steven Strasburg's career. Well, I can see it from here. Well, shut up, you. I'm talking to Tom. Uh, 2.3. Close, but it's 2.18. Two, and how many innings has he pitched in? Let's see. He's 124 innings. And in yeah. 124 innings, he's got 150 strikeouts. Yeah, that, that, but that ERA, 2.18 and 124 innings. That's roughly... 10.9 strikeouts per nine innings. That's uh, roughly that... that, that uh, how many game started does he have? 20, or 34. 22. I'm sorry, 22, yes. The 22 games started with a 2.18 ERA. Now, just imagine if that was all consecutively in one season. You'd be talking about a Cy Young winner. Okay? Wrap your head around this, a six strikeout-to-walk ratio. That, that's good. Um, you know, Kurt Schilling is the best of the modern era. It was something around that. Quite good. Um, you know, but uh, we have some, you know, very good pitchers in the rotation. And, but the Phillies, the Phillies uh, lineup is actually, it's not scoring runs. I think they're actually scoring less runs than the Nationals. It might have mm-hmm. changed after that 13 run game last night. In <laughs> two games, I actually checked the runs per game uh, on Tuesday before our game. You see, the Phillies were going out a lot. And then, uh, through the last two nights, they've actually jumped almost half a run a game mm. because of those uh, that third because that, of that one game. No, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, I mean, anytime you score that many runs in a game, you you're, you're kind of surprised to find out you lost. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I look at the, the Phillies lineup. I mean, Rollins isn't performing well, but 
Rollins is going to realize he's Jimmy Rollins one day. He's going to start performing well. And right. it's probably going to be against the Nationals. Wouldn't that be? How old is he now? You know, he's old. He's 30. Well, not old. I don't because Chipper Jones 30, is still playing well. I want to say he's 32. Oh, uh, I was thinking 32, think. 34. Well, you look on the Google machine. We'll continue talking. But they have Victorino, who's a very good player. Carlos Ruiz, very good player. Their problem is they just have they a just, lot of guys who are hurt. You yeah, know? and you look at those guys that are, I'm saying are very good players. They're all up the middle position. It's their corner positions that they're really missing. 33. 30. We had Jimmy Rollins, 33 years <laughs> old. Uh, but it's the, it's their corner players that are missing. And John Mary Jr.'s not performing too well. They're in the same position the Nationals found themselves in last year, relying on Lance Nix for offense. Yeah, and he's coming through, isn't he? I mean, he is. was our number two in uh, plugging last year. Uh, yeah, behind Michael Morse. Yeah, I yeah. believe that. For anybody that was over 300 plate appearances. I believe that. Yeah, that would have been uh, too bad he turned down that two-year contract from the Nationals. <laughs> what two-year contract? All right, this, it was a one-year deal for more money he got from the Phillies, but they gave him a two-year deal. Uh, moving you really on. think he's going to keep that up just out of curiosity? No, but he's a, he's a reliable bench bat. I'd rather have him than Chad Tracy or Xavier Nady. Fair enough. I agree. Okay. Um, my bench would have been quite different than what the National assembled. Um, and I would have bought in a guy like Alberto Gonzalez to just be the middle infield specialist. Of course, probably going to beat out by Lombardozzi. But, you know. Well, you I think that's what it. they brought uh, Blanco in for at least a little competition. Yeah. And then uh, well, definitely blew him away during spring training. Yeah, but moving on to pitching matchups, you have uh, Gonzalez versus Vance Worley, who has been a very surprising, surprising pitcher in um, the last couple years. And let's pause here for a second to talk about something that just happened Holy in the game. Holy crap, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> a ball was hit. In, you know, you don't run on a ball that's in front of you as a runner at second. The ball was in front of Harper. He didn't run. He waited until the guy threw the ball, committed to throwing the first, then took off and took the X base. Just just this guy. I love is kid. just oh my god. He is That's insane, dude. He is just his baseball IQ it has to be the exact sound opposite like of Nook Logan Nook Logan. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, like it's, it's the opposite of Nook Logan and and Niger Morgan combined. No, that was that was if impressive. You take, that would be like a negative 400 baseball IQ. That means Harper has a 400 baseball. IQ. We we finally have a player that other teams are gonna love hating. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I it's, can't wait until he goes oh. to Philly and they boo him. Yeah, I hope I hope he's like he's like Chipper Jones and ends up naming his kid Citizens Bank Park. <laughs> what Chipper Jones kid <laughs> is really named happy? Chipper Jones. A kid is named Shay because he hits so well at Shea Stadium. Huh. huh. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a uh, definite hitter's park up in Philadelphia. So I hope Harper has a kid named Citizens Bank Park. He'll, he'll at least have the initial CBP. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but the pitching matchup, Worley, you know, very surprising player, got called up, was very good. Um, Not going to lie, I really thought he was going to, plummet this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was the guy that Worley. Yeah, had it written all over him. Had a great year last year. They should have traded him when he you know his stock was the highest and then he's kept it up. Well, baseball's a long season. Yeah. I think it happened. And he's facing Gio 
Gio Gonzalez. A little bit of a heart attack there? Yes. Okay. Yes, he's facing Gio. I mean, when I think about Gio, I always have a heart. You know, a lot of people's hearts flutter when they think of Gio's smile. But, uh. Dave, I don't know if you want to admit that when we're recording. <laughs> a little awkward. I feel it's like okay. I should be sitting a little bit further away from him now. Okay, man. You can, uh, you can handle it. I can. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, anyway. Ox <laughs> City up in here. It's entertainment. Yeah. Dave, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm entertaining the public. Are you? I'm sure they are. They'll write in and tell us how. We'll get fan mail any day now. One day. One day somebody will tell us how much they hate us. Someday over the rainbow. Somewhere, uh, man. Come on. <laughs> so, okay, against Worley, uh, we haven't hit that great. Well, no one's hit that great. Yeah. 206, 255, 29. Um, we haven't had that many plate appearances against him. As opposed to sitting at a 952 OPS in seven. Uh, Ramos is sitting at a 2067 OPS. Uh, in six plate appearances. So, I mean, nothing really to draw from there. Uh, we have one walk against the guy versus 13 Ks. So, huh. yikes. Uh, moving on to Sunday, uh, Matt's boy Jordan Zimmerman goes against Cole Hamels on Sunday night baseball. That's a good matchup. Is that the... The first time we've been on ESPN? It's the first time yeah. in a while. Well, no, well, the Crossbury no, games were on ESPN. No, no, the opening of the opening of opening of the park, park was yeah. on Sunday opening night. night. Yeah, opening night. Then before that, I remember the game. I remember it well because I was there in RFK Stadium. It was 2006. The Nationals had a one to nothing lead over the Braves into the eighth inning. Gary Majeski was the setup man at the time. He came in. He promptly gave up a two-run home run to Wilson Bennett. Hmm. And the Nats went on to lose that game. Hmm. And it was rather disappointing. But that was the last time they were on Sunday Night Baseball. That was a non-opening day till this Sunday. Huh, good. Well, uh, didn't be good against the Phillies. Um, I remember last year, one start he had against Philadelphia. He was perfect in five innings. Just throwing that out there. He's got 40 plate appearances against the the current Phillies. Uh, they're hitting 282, 300, 410 against him. Uh, one walk, eight Ks. Um, Zim sits one and two on the season with a 189 ERA. Uh, again, he gets absolutely no run support. Yeah, one and two uh, with the 189 ERA. The the only game that he has so far was the. The Padres game where he felt the need to go ahead and drive in runs well, as well. Can, can I point out something though? Like it's not mutually exclusive to one pitcher. We seem to notice it more, or at least I do, with George Zimmerman. But I think people because it just sort of it's compounded. It's compounded from last year. But yeah. you know, look at look at Gio Gonzalez. One eight two ERA. He has a two one record. He's made how many starts already this season? He Four. should have more than that. Yeah. Same with Strasburg. Strasburg's been lucky so far. He's been doing pretty well. He just he's only given up maybe one run, and that's the reason he has no losses on the season. And you know, I mean, that's again that just speaks to offense. Edwin Jackson has the worst ERA of the starters, and that's pretty awesome. I noticed that I was, looking, I was looking at stats earlier. I noticed he had the worst ERA of the starting staff. And when your worst starter has a three point six nine ERA, you're doing it right. And you know where all of that comes from. The the, the, Astros. the Astros game, yeah. In one inning. Well, I see what you're talking about, who we're facing on Tuesday when Zimmerman comes back. 
Edwin Jackson versus A.J. Burnett. A.J. Burnett. Yeah, we're in Pittsburgh. Yes, a hitter's ballpark, finally. I would love to drive up for that series. Uh, Burnett is actually coming off the worst outing of his career. Mm. 12 earned runs and two and two-thirds. That's rough. Yikes. Yep, that is... That is um rough. He it's also he also took a baseball to the eye because he felt the need to uh, <laughs> put his face in front of a foul tip. And stops it, right? And it, it did. It did stop the baseball. Uh, I I guess you could legally count that as a bunt if you really wanted to. Uh, I guess you could. <laughs> but uh, his eye, when when they had to do surgery on it, probably wasn't you know happy about it. Um, as far as the, the Pirates hitting Jackson, uh, an 807 OPS over 90 plate appearances, mm. um, five walks, seven Ks. So we'll uh, we'll keep a, a wary eye on that one. Uh, the Nats against Burnett hitting 224, 26, 449. Uh, surprisingly, only that four walks. Probably. Well, uh, with the how many plate appearances is that in? Uh, I'd have to look. Uh, Larose definitely had the most. Because I would have to think. That a lot of those would have been, well, you know, you go back to when he was with the Marlins, and there's not a lot of people on the Nationals that were no. there when he was on the Marlins. It was what, 2006? Yeah, they didn't face him that much when he was on the Blue Jays or Yankees. No. Let's so, see, probably fine, because we're talking yes. the Nationals versus... Burnett. But, um, you know, the Pirates have had fairly good pitching this year. They've been, they're a team that absolute, absolutely can't score runs. They're scoring below three runs a game. Has it yeah, Pittsburgh is worst in the majors, 2.83. Uh, you think our offense is bad? They've scored 68 runs in 24 games. Yeah. 68 runs. Yeah. It's it's not good. It's um, And that's actually yeah. bumped up in the last couple of days. It was worse uh, probably three or four days yeah, ago. Yeah, Pedro Alvarez has come on lately. Uh, but Walker's not as close as he was. I don't even know if Tabata is back yet. McCutcheon can't do everything. He just he's not capable of batting in every single position in the lineup. How is how is Neil Walker doing this year? He's not doing well. Um, There's five Nationals who've had an at bat against AJ Burnett. Total of 49 at bats. Yes. Go ahead and look up look up Neil Walker on your Google machine there. But uh, yeah, while we're still on Burnett, uh, the two best Nats against him, LaRoche, uh, 978 OPS and 17 plate appearances, uh, and Worth with a 1089 and 16. Uh, moving on to Wednesday, um, we got Detweiler against Kevin Correa. <clears throat> uh, Detweiler sitting at 2-1 and one with a 1.64 ERA, which may change here in just a little bit when we see when he comes to this game. Um he has 16 plate appearances against the Pirates. I'm assuming most of that is in relief. Uh, they don't really hit that well against him in, well, in those 16. Uh, in 071 batting average, and then uh, 188 and 071 as far as on base and slugging. Yeah, Neil Walker uh, on the season, he has a fairly good on base percentage, but his slugging is 308. Uh, he has a 349 on base percentage. He's hit two doubles this season. And he has a 657 OPS total. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, you're talking, this guy's a career uh, 
415 slugging percentage. I mean, you know, 754 OPS. So, yeah. So I mean, you know, he might be, he might come out of it. It might be yeah. that whole weather in the Northeast thing. Maybe, maybe this is just an area where there's not a lot of offense. That would explain how you still have good pitching in yeah. Citizens Bank Park. I'm kidding. Well, uh, <laughs> Korea uh, has four starts this year, two runs or less. Been pretty consistent for him. Yeah. Um, the Nats against Korea, 236, 317, 472. Uh, eight walks, 21 Ks. Uh, again, LaRoche and Worth are the two best against him. Uh, 994 OPS and 24 plate appearances for LaRoche and 75 and 13 for Worth. So, um, actually, as I'm going down the list here, LaRoche is the best one in three of these six games. I, I kind of hope that he's back this weekend. Yeah, he is. Here's a question for you. I'm looking at the <clears throat> Thursday matchup with James McDonald against the Nets. But how does it feel, you know, you got this promising young starter in James McDonald. You go, all right, we're going to, you know, he's facing the Nets. They don't hit that well. We feel good about James McDonald. Then you look across at who he's pitching. <laughs> Steven Strasburg. Yeah. Now, this one actually kind of <laughs> made me laugh a little because uh, in his Strasburg's debut was against the Pirates. Right. Since he threw seven innings? Seven yes. innings. Seven, seven innings, innings, 14 Ks. 14 Ks. So, seven, I mean, even if you're facing the minimum, that's 21 batters, that's 21 plate appearances. Yes. Uh, there's only 12 plate appearances here, and I think only two or three of them had three. We have Neil Walker, we've got uh, Garrett Jones, and then... Um, McCutcheon. McCutcheon, yes. We're the three. That's yeah. all that's left from that team. Yeah. That, or that's it, all that's healthy from that Well, that team. team wasn't very good. No, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't. If you remember, the mm-hmm. who they was the first, then, yeah. who hit the first home run off of Steven Strasburg? Was it Delman Young? No, it wasn't Delman Young. Uh, it was a Young. Yes. It was Delwyn Young. Delwyn Young. Ah. Yeah. His 91-mile-an-hour changeup. Yeah, he didn't have to put much <laughs> effort into it. No, if yeah. you make contact, it's going somewhere. Yeah, but James McDonald is a good young starting pitcher, good young promising starting pitcher. I'm sure when he's shutting down the nest, people will freak out about it, but they forget that these guys are trying to win, too. He's a good Yeah, yeah I mean, good. there are other good pitchers in the league. Um I mean, McDonald, for one, he, he has, again, this year, a, a one-hit, seven-inning, uh, you know, game there. Another game where he had 10 Ks. I mean, he, he has the potential, if he put it all together, to to be a really promising uh, young pitcher for them. Uh, the Nats, 250-33, 417 against him, three walks, 10 Ks. Uh, the best against him, and Keel, uh, not a lot of plate appearances against this kid. Uh, and Keel with a... 1833 OPS and four plate appearances. Espinosa with a 1333 and three. Just as a side note here, I'm a little bummed that Cliff Lee's uh, hurt because uh, I'm sure Espinosa. I think I, I, I think I was just about to say I think uh, I think he's still afraid of Espinosa. Um, I was really looking forward to Espinosa getting back on track against Cliff Lee. All right, sounds very exciting there. But you know, looking at I was thinking about something today, and... Was it RG3? No, it wasn't RG3. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> we don't talk about the Redskins on this show. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that or not. Uh, um, surprisingly, that's the second time they've been brought up. Yes. The show. <laughs> 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 I 
pointing out the obvious here. But I saw a Twitter debate between a um, – we can open up the phone lines, too. If you want to call in, that's 347-205-9638. Again, that number is 347-205-9638. So go ahead and give us a call. We're talking about Nationals attendance right now. And ah, the, the reason it may be as such – this isn't really about attendance. This is just a debate I saw between a local sports writer and some fans. And, uh, and an actual sports writer. Jerry Krasnick had something to say about it, too. Uh, but but uh, this, uh, the argument was that the learners are to blame because they blew the goodwill by not putting a 70-win team on the field in 2008. So my question is, what good – let's just say the learners came in in 2006. Let's not wait until two, they come in in 2006. And I looked it up today. I looked up free agents from 2006. The top free agent that year was Alfonso Soriano, who was on the Nationals. Oh. So let's just say we sign out Soriano, okay? Now we've wiped Zimmerman out of the future. He's gone. Yeah. Zimmerman uh, – Jordan Zimmerman is gone. He's not part of the future anymore. He's not part of the team that you're looking at here. All right. Then they go – and they had a couple pitch, pitchers. They had uh, Barry Zito. Great pickup. And Jason Smith. And then they get one more offensive piece because they're not really sold on Marlon Bird at the time. They go out and they get Gary Matthews Jr. Those were all top free agents that year. Where does the team sit now? What goodwill did that build by making them basically a 70-win team then? And what would they be now? They'd still probably be a 21 team. I mean, you look at that. Uh, a, you take Jordan out of the lineup. He's gone. Um, you put a 70 win, maybe a 73, 74 win, depending on how the season goes. Uh, you take Strasburg out of the mix. You take Harper out of the mix. They're gone. Yes. You're looking at, you know, three promising stars from this lineup already out Yeah. from day one. Um, a continuing 70-win lineup and the money that we have wrapped up in those guys uh, makes You're probably not of, able to do the draft of Rendon, Goodwin. Uh, the, all those, those four players they got last year, Perk, all those guys, probably gone. How about the draft that uh, that we got AJ Colin? Right. So, so they came out, out Gio. then yeah. Gio Gonzalez is no longer part of the team. I mean, I, I hate playing the what-if game, yeah. but this is what happens when you go down that yeah, road. Yeah. You, you look at, oh, they should have done this, but you don't look at the other side of those those, <laughs> those years, those 08, 09. Those were terrible. Those were terrible I don't years. ever want to go back right. through that. And But but, but look, look at what they've done by having those terrible years. They they draft, you know, you just look at the top drafts. They got Harper and they got Steven Strasburg. Right. It's not just the and, top, though. People... When you have that number one pick, you don't just have the number one pick in the first round. You have the number one pick right. in the second and, round, and the third round, the fourth you round. Have you have it round. every other round. And they got some good players deep in the draft. Peacock was, what, a 40-something round pick? Mm-hmm. This was just – it was a scouting and player development. They focused the money in that part of the game. And it's a lot – it's money you don't see being spent. You know what we call those those couple of years? Those are what are known as growing pains. Rebuilding. That, I mean, I kind of hate the 
word rebuilding, but at that point, with as devastated as our farm system was, when yeah. uh, well, you had to bite the bullet. They did it to us. You had to it was it was it was Major League Baseball. Major, they, yeah. They wouldn't pay for them to sign anyone. It was basically Bud Selig's. It was the only team that made Bud Selig's slotting system. Because he was basically the owner of the team. Well, there was that. I mean, there was all of that, and then anyone that we already had in our system, we just sold off. And it, did, and it opened. I mean, Cliff Lee was an expo. Yeah. Grady Sizemore was an expo. Yeah. Brandon Phillips. Brandon Phillips was there, right? That was all. That was the same trade. Yeah. I mean, that was that was a trade for for Bartolo Colon. Yeah. I mean, it's, but you also here's something that that, that that the lack of money from MLB did as well. Omar Minaya, as bad of a GM as he was for the Mets, he is still one of the best, one of the best front office executives ever at he international scouting. At, at international scouting, he was one of the best. He built the Expos system, was one of the first and the best to get players from the Dominican Republic. They had wow. Vlad, Pedro Martinez, and you're talking some good players. Oh, Alou, yeah. uh, these were great players players, but when the money dried up from MLB and Loria and, and all the people you can put this on, um, Omar Minaya didn't have it to spend anymore. He couldn't do anything. So it all just sort of went away. The organization was really the redheaded stepchild of the MLB. And when they moved here, they moved here, the Nationals are still struggling to rebuild that international scouting department. Yeah, we're we're still true. pretty terrible there. Yeah, we thought, we thought we had that great signing a couple of years back with Maya. And that oh. that that if if anybody wonders how great our international scouting system is, Maya. <laughs> well, I don't think Maya was really. I think I'd look more at a guy like Yuri Perez mm. for the international side of it. Uh, but getting back to the farm system, when the Nationals came here, the top two pro the top pitching prospect was Colin Ballester, who was years away. He was at A-ball at the time. The top position prospect was Corey Castro. I don't know if anyone remembers, though. Well, people probably remember I, Ballester. I remember Castro. But but Castro was – he wasn't good. Well, it's interesting, you know, I mean, even just looking at how the organizations come a top prospect, like, was Colin Ballester, and then, you know – you go from having a top prospect in Steven Strasburg, you know. Yes. It's just, I mean, the team's come a long way. I, if you really look at it, it's kind of interesting. Look at the team when Mike Rizzo got a hold of it from that point forward and where it's come. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, another thing people look at, and they count the Nationals as being the same thing from 2005 all the way to now. Well, no. You had, you had Jim Bowden. And Stan Caston running the team from 2000, from the middle of 2006 on. Before those two seasons, you had Major League Baseball with the owner, and Jim Bowden was trying to dress up the team for the sale. Yeah. So he wasn't really trying to rebuild it; he was trying to dress it up for the sale to make it win as many games as possible and be as attractive as he could. You know, it's kind of interesting. I don't, I don't know that there's enough credit. I mean, you know, okay, you can say all you want about Jim Bowden; he really did go the dumpster diving route when he was here. Hello, Elijah Dukes. <laughs> you know, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, not great players that he got for the team. But, I mean, maybe that was, again, maybe he was trying to help take the dive so that we could. I don't think he was, because people, 
you know, you look at the players he got, and they just weren't that good of players. He got a lot of players he was familiar with, like Willie Mo Pena, Austin Kearns, Felipe Lopez. Yeah, that's true. But he did do some good things. He, he's responsible for Tyler Clifford. Yeah. He, he was, also let uh, Alfonso Soriano walk. Yeah, which led any drafted Jordan Zimmerman. Right. So he did do some good things. Um, but Rizzo's done more good things. Was Rizzo well, here for that draft Riz- with Zimmerman? Yes. Yes, Rizzo was here for the draft for Zimmerman. In and fact, was, Rizzo was the guy who scouted. I was going to say he was Wisconsin. our our scouting director at that point. He was, he was he was the only one who traveled out to Wisconsin Stevens Point and watched him play and said, "We need to get this guy." Yeah, but you know where the organization is now. The road they took to get here is not the only road to winning, but and people will say that they they lucked in Strasburg and Harper, and they did in a way. Um, because you know, they were back-to-back number one picks that were probably two of the best number one picks of all time. Yeah. And, and and to have that two yeah. years in a row, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty <laughs> I mean, you, you, you look at that, you know, like look back on those years and think, wow, those years sucked. And then you you're, you watch what happens on the field today when Steven Strasburg gets, you know, yet another double-digit strikeout game or – 2008 and 2009, uh, the 100 lost seasons were worth what we have now. <laughs> were worth, I, just think, we had to deal with say, we yeah. had to deal with 100 losses to get what six years of Strasburg. Yeah. Then we had to deal with another 100 losses to get six years of Harper. Yeah, there's the, I'll take it. The, the, yeah. the question to get inside the perfect club, you know, with Kate up. Would you would you would you allow? <laughs> I didn't I didn't I didn't know where you go. Would you allow? Like there. Would anyway. you allow Brock Lesnar to kick you in the balls? I that's, would go yes. That's kind of what we're dealing with. Right <laughs> that that that's what the Nationals went through, losing a hundred games back to back season. They they Rochambeau'd for it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Now, where this uh, conversation started was attendance. attendance. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Attendance. Um, once again, I'm I'm going to pull this phrase out. Uh, Chill out. Use my phrase. Use your phrase. Um, so, <laughs> what's your phrase? We, we've no, played no. twelve games at home, uh, not counting the one that's currently on TV. Uh, we're averaging 23,839 attendance per game. 2011's first 12 games, we're up 17.5%. Well, can I give you just a quick fancy stat, just something I noticed? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Well, yesterday on Baseball Reference, we were, well, day before yesterday, I want to say we were 14th out of 16 in Major League attendance. Now we're 13th. A couple days before in that. In know. Yes. National, uh, yes, in National League attendance. I'm sorry. You should um, just know that I'm the 16 games. Yes. I, I chill, <laughs> chill, chill. But anyway, a couple Matt, days before that. What are you doing? I don't know. A couple days before that, it's 15. Okay. So it went from 15 to 14. Now it's at 13. No. Maybe it'll be 12. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I, it was games I was going to mm-hmm. say, to be fair, those teams probably aren't at home right now. Um, <laughs> but if you look at, actually, if you. 
if you go to a site like ESPN, which has all the teams, uh-huh. a lot of the really poorly attended teams are in the AL. Uh-huh. The Indians, the Royals, the Rays, uh, the Orioles. I think the really only other poorly attended team besides the Nationals in the NL is the Pirates. Are the uh-huh. Pirates. Now, so we're up 17 and a half from last year alone. Granted, last year wasn't a great year coming in. Um, between 09 and 11, the first 12 games there, on average, were up 20%. And I guess my biggest problem that I have here um, is not only his starts, no matter how you're looking at it, uh, the two games where people have had issues with were Strasburg's first game at home on April 16th, and then Harper's first game here on May 2nd. What do those two days have in common with D.C.? Uh, well, there were Caps games. That were? and Playoff games. Where? In D.C. There we go. Okay, so, so <laughs> check this out. No, nobody rags on the attendance at Baltimore. Uh, they are averaging Washington, – Washington's averaging 23,838 game so far this in 12 games. And in 12 games at home in Baltimore, they're averaging 23,192. Baltimore is actually averaging less. They're a team that's been around longer and has a more, you know, consolidated. Yeah, more, uh, more. Okay, and they and have then, a winning record as well. Right, and we're also and then Houston twenty third, San Diego is twenty fourth, Kansas City is twenty fifth, Oakland is twenty sixth, Tampa Bay is surprisingly not last, twenty uh, seventh, Seattle is twenty eighth, the White Sox are twenty ninth, and Cleveland. Oh my God. Yeah, Cleveland is averaging fourteen thousand four hundred eighty-six a game. So yeah. there's there's nights where think about that sentence you just said. It's Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Misery is synonymous with Cleveland. You'll never guess who's in it's, first it's place. A, in fact, I don't even want to place. say it. They're, they're, I mean, their their most famous street is the Boulevard of Chagrin. <laughs> All right, that just tells you everything you need to know about Cleveland, Ohio. Now, what do you guys think about this? And Boston seventh. I mean, not only, I mean, attendance is up, but DC fans tend to be the late arrivers. Well, a the late arrivers, yes. and b they tend to be the the self righteous kind of. Well, if I'm gonna go, you guys need to show me that I need to go first. No, it's, it's definitely very, uh, you know, it's it, one. It's an event town. Steven Strasburg made his major league debut, and you could you can stand in the place, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yes, you would want Harper to have the same honor because he deserves it, damn it. But, but the, there's a huge difference. There. Yeah, no, and, and Harper, you can go see Harper tomorrow night. Every night. You know, and I mean, it, here's it, the thing, I, I, to me, like talking about attendance statistics like that, it, it's almost like somebody just wants to be made fun of. They, it's, it, it's almost like, hey, we're this stupid. We believe this is relevant. They want to complain is what it is. DC, if you, DC is also full of people that like to complain. Yes. I don't know. I mean, they they're very cynical, sarcastic people who like to complain. And the Nash or the, the local writer who was getting in these uh debates with people, I've actually started to think he has some sort of issue with the team because his tweets, his articles are always condescending, always negative. I just wonder if they did something to him. If they like What what writer is Can what, I just go ahead I'm and not gonna say it. You can just shake your head yes or no. You don't have to answer this on air. Is it Tom Lavera? That's your answer right there, folks. Um, uh, 
anyway, well, I mean, I I don't see you know I don't see the point in constantly bringing up the uh, the attendance. Okay, you know, I mean, so what? There's not a lot of people showing up on a Monday night. Okay. Well, you know. Okay, so I mean, I'm sure the attendance numbers at uh, at the Verizon Center would beg to differ. <laughs> they would because that's 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 you know what eighteen thousand some sort yeah, of fans yeah. that aren't going to be going to that. Even thing? if half of the people at the Verizon Center on the night of a Caps playoff game, where you know it's nothing but DC fans, on that night, half the people in that building are. Nationals fans who like to show up as much as they can. Just just conservative, over overestimating, whatever you want to call it, let's just say half, roughly. That's still about nine thousand people who could show up at the ballpark. Now, but let's be fair, I mean I you both know I'm not a Caps fan, but Caps fan as a whole, you can go uh, you can't get to the Verizon Center, it's sold out, you know, Rangers fans, Caps fans can't get there. Right. Would you rather go and pay Ten bucks, twenty bucks. Go sit at the ballpark and have to watch it at the bar, and then turn around during the commercial breaks or the period breaks to see the ball game. Or would you rather hang out on your couch, watch a, a triple overtime game, and be able to see, you know, the the baseball game back and forth? You had to bring up the triple overtime. It, yeah, it did. <laughs> in the show notes too. Take a look. It was also uh, it was also sixty degrees last night. No. So you know we could you could say. Would you rather sit in your warm house watching both or be at the ballpark when you know baseball is going to last the entire season? Baseball isn't going to end until October. So you have time in warmer months to watch the team. Yeah. And people are showing up. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty normal thing, though. And, you know. This is a conversation that baseball fans across the country have. Every year, Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland Indians aren't going to average 14,000 the season. They're going to be somewhere near 20. I don't understand what comes out of mentioning attendance numbers at all. Neither do I. I mean, you know, I understand it if you're if you're looking at a box where like, hey, there was a lot of people there at the game last night. I wonder how many it was. I do that every once in a while just because I'm curious. But I don't understand why any beat writer in town, any of them, none of them, none of the beat writers are doing it. well, uh, okay. I don't understand why any national media writer in the world feels like it's something they have to mention. Well, the, the, the Tampa Bay Rays fans actually have a feud with national writers over their attendance. During the playoffs, it's a huge deal because that's when they sell out. That's when they have the people there with the cowbells and the weird-looking hair. It's a great environment. And, it's, it's fun to watch on yeah. TV. I'd, I would like to just be there but, one day. But it's... Um, it's not an easy ballpark to get to. It's not a good ballpark. Um, there's a lot of things yeah, wrong with that There's a lot of things ballpark. wrong with the Trump. Yeah. I mean, weird home runs. Uh, the fact that it's a dome. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, there's a lot wrong with Tropicana Field. But, you know, D.C. sort of has some of the same problems, but around here we're more conditioned to it. Where people say, well, it takes an hour to cross the bridge into into Tampa Bay from St. Petersburg. It can take an hour to get across the 14th Street Bridge, too. And here we're saying, yeah, so? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's going to do that no matter where you're going in these things. And, 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 you know, the metro, it can be a real pain in the butt getting to the ballpark and from the ballpark, especially at night if the game runs long. But, I mean, 
even so, it's, you know... You probably get that in a lot. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, let's say we're in L.A., you know, you, you have to drive there to the gigantic parking lot, walk eight miles into the ballpark, and then, I mean, deal with the, the mass hysteria as you're attempting, yeah, I, the ballpark's I, attempting to leave. The ballpark is pretty close to Sunset Boulevard there. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of that boulevard or not. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to try and leave that place after a game. It's actually fairly a nightmare. <laughs> um, I've been there. It's pretty much a nightmare. It's uh, Just imagine leaving... Um, if you've been to the Nissan Pavilion, mm-hmm. imagine oh, that oh. every night for a ball game. Well, I think we've given this topic way more time than it deserves. You, you realize we fell into the trap. Well, no, I mean <laughs> that's just because we get angry about yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's uh, let's go on to better topics. Okay. So Saturday, we uh, actually Friday night. Friday, just as I was about to get on the metro from work, because I'm trying to figure out what the news is. Uh-huh. We get big news. Uh, we get the Harper call up uh, with him to the DL, and then Moore was the next day. Moore was the same day. Yeah, Moore I, was on a plane. Yeah, Moore was on a plane. No, Moore was the. Was, or he was that night. Yes, that night. Yeah. He was Friday after the game. Yes. Um, I I, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but I am just annoyed by the last couple games where he hasn't been in the lineup. Oh my goodness! No, and I just, I don't understand it. You know, it's like okay, so we'll put Nady in left field. Glad we did that. Well, I and, and I mean, then I, I think I think it's been proven at this point, at least to a small degree. You know, give him a shot until he fails. Harper can play center field. I just wonder, you know, they called up more. He's getting to work with Bo Porter now, who's a very good outfield coach. And maybe they don't feel he's ready for the outfield just yet, but they like him working with Bo Porter more than. With the minor league guy. But but what good is it doing him to sit on a bench and not getting any at-bats in a major league game? He's getting good practice with Bo Porter. He's getting to watch the major league game. I mean, you ask what good does it do to sit on a bench. Baseball is the only sport where people don't consider that a good thing. You know, you take a guy in the NBA and you say, well, you know, sit him on the bench. A guy with the Spurs. He sits on the bench. He gets to watch Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker play. And he Not learns a lot. Football, sit on a bench, you watch a quarterback play, you learn a lot. Baseball, the only time that's a decent decision is during spring training. And uh, secondly, I mean, uh, I agree with our, our buddy Bill Ladson. you got to let the kids play. I mean, yeah. we have this – there's this much uproar about the offense. They have to know that the offense is lacking without Zim, without Morrison, if LaRoche is out – that's that's another remember serious when, issue. Well, there. remember when uh, Riggleman wanted to play Guzman over Ian Desmond? Yeah, I mean, if there's a guy <laughs> that is, I mean, I know this is sounding counterintuitive because I'm defending Desmond over Lombardozzi, or not Desmond uh, Espinosa over Lombardozzi. Well, Espinosa is not old. True. And Espinosa is not Chad Tracy's age or right. Xavier Nady has no business in our outfield I mean, yeah, whatsoever. Well, it's not even like he can come in and be a defensive replacement. Because he's been god-awful on defense. Well, he came in to hit. He came in to pinch hit. He came in to come off the bench, and we've been putting him in the outfield. And I know he hasn't even been doing well at the hitting thing. He's hit one home run this year. That was assist. On the assist. And he got the assist. He didn't even get the goal. I just, what I I think. (laughs) But, I mean, it's just, I mean, I, I, if. 
mind-boggling. I, don't I just kind of want. I just kind of want to throw throw Tyler Moore to the wolves. If he fails, he fails. If you think, think about who Davy Johnson is, he's a crazy old man. Well, that, I'll give him that in a good way. A good it way. makes sense from his thinking. He is a player's manager. Period. He's he Harper. He's betting him third tonight. <laughs> Harper is young. He says, Harper, go get him. I believe in you. You've proven it to me in four games. In your fifth game, you're batting third. Now, he said, when they asked about why you're starting Nady over more, he said, they want to get Nady going. He's a player's manager. He's gonna. He's never going to put down a guy that's on his roster. Mm-hmm. He will give them every opportunity until he'll be the last guy to say they don't deserve it anymore. But True. And that probably helps out some of the other players because they know they can struggle, and he'll stick with them. Espinoza. Right. But, you know, it's probably last night's game might have been the last we see of Nady. When Zim gets back, Nady's probably the one that's gone. And and he might that. put more in now. Well, you know, we're talking about how, you know, one, more doesn't get much playing time. Nady doesn't get much playing time. Roger Bernardino just had an at-bat. I mean, the yeah. the track record that I've seen so far that I've noticed uh, this year is that the team tends to do things, at least from my perspective, to keep everybody. Well, right. there's no that's reason there, to keep Nady anymore. That, well, I mean, regardless. I mean, um, see, I'm trying to think. Uh, Storm went on the DL. I mean, that was kind of fortuitous that he went on the DL yes. and then Wang went on the DL. But odds were that instead of tossing Gorzolani, if everyone was healthy, getting rid of Gorzolani, putting Detweiler in the pen with Stammen, and then keeping Matthews, they were going to option Matthews so that they could keep Gorzolani there because they didn't want to let him go. Right. Why? Okay. Then you come here, and the odds are going to be that Moore goes down because he has options and – well, we can keep everybody. Yeah, no, I agree. If Nady's gone, I will be thoroughly surprised. Granted, I want it to happen more than anything. Yeah. I I want no, to I, be wrong here. I'm with you on that one because I mean, I think what, more what, what what's been? I mean, Moore's had a couple of that bad. There's, I mean, I don't think there's really been any proof that the team. He said one up. game started. I don't even think they pinched him. They pinched him last night. Okay, they, they did pinch, a double yeah. switch. And double switch, they yeah. put him in last night. And he, then they they switched him out and put Ankeel in his place. Right, which made sense. He had a rookie having what his fifth or sixth at bat against mm-hmm. a right-hander. You pinch hit the left-hander with power. Yeah, you're down by one. Ankeel well, can end sense. the game on one swing. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I just uh, I would like to see at least you know. A few more shots at it before Zim comes back. I, I, I think mean, he will. I think I think he's eligible Sunday. Correct? Sunday, but he's probably going to be back Tuesday. Is what they've said. Okay. He's, he's going to hit tomorrow, tomorrow, and then they're going to evaluate from there. So they they have Tuesday as as the preliminary day. Now is his? So, it, it bothers him hitting, not throwing. Right. Hit, it's not the opposite of yeah. Morse. Morse. Yes. Okay. Combine them. Yeah. What a monster that would make. <laughs> a defensive prowess for hitting. Yeah. <laughs> he would catch everything and hit everything. That would be an interesting player. Um we should we should clone them by combining their DNA and putting it in. Okay. That means it'll last for like 
two years. You know what happened to the Chiefs? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, <laughs> oops. I don't know. So, uh, so I think we've hammered down more uh, pretty well there. Um, Harper. Harper. What what is there to say about this kid? He's very good. What what can't we say about this kid? I think uh, it's been well. He's only been in the majors a couple of days, so you can't say he's an all star yet. No, no. Yet. Hold that <laughs> thought. Not that I'm saying that deserves to be in the all star game, but we all know how this is a popularity contest. Yeah, that's true. And what is a name? Name a rookie in this league that has more notoriety than Bryce Harper right now. You know Jason this. Hayward. Jason Hayward's not a rookie. As a hitter, well, you can't a... vote pitchers in. That doesn't mm-hmm. count. So, uh, Suspedis. Yanis Suspedis? Yes. Um, for the record, uh, runners in scoring position? Tied with Team Desmond. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Just for those wondering, uh, continue. Oh, let's see. Uh, rookies. Now, granted, like, that's AL. Yeah, NL. NL. So, an NL rookie that has more notoriety than Harper could sneak his way in. Yes, Harper could sneak because... You know, but he's not on the on the. Uh, he has to be a right hand. The two rookies that are playing the best right now, well, the only ones in outfield, Zach Cozart, the shortstop. I love that kid. And uh, Kirk Neuenheis is the outfielder that's playing the best as a rookie. Yeah, for the Mets. Yes, he's actually a really hot start this year. He got home run off of Jackson. He did. Uh, he had a walk off just the other night. Did he? Mm-hmm. Done fairly well. But Bryce Harper could be either a write-in or the other way he could get in is he could be one of the final five. And imagine oh, that, that. Yeah. Oh, that's. Imagine baseball would definitely. Gonna, that's what it's going to be. Baseball would definitely want the notoriety of putting him on there. Do you know what they would have do? Go. Makes them money. They're happy. They to would go. throw that vote. <laughs> yes. Tell me I'm wrong that MLB would not throw the vote to get Bryce Harper into an All-Star game. And then game. they put him in the home so run derby. they hype the hell out of it. Yeah, and then you put him in the home run derby. Makes him a lot of money. And then you just say, watch this. <laughs> During batting, I I got to tell you, I watched I watched Harper's batting practice yesterday, and you can see the process of thinking in his head. His first, first time up went the other way. Every single hit, other way. Second time. Everything right up the middle, straight up the middle. Third time up, pulled everything. And when he pulled it, my gosh, did he hit it fall? <laughs> now, not not to get ahead of ourselves, uh, Harper in a home run derby, uh, you're you'd be treading on Josh Hamilton territory. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling that he would be a guy that uh, would hit you know twenty in the first round, end up losing because he tired himself out. But he would put on a show. He might. When he was. There. I mean, probably yes. He can already put. I mean, he can put on a show in batting practice. So there's no reason to say he couldn't put. It, I mean, what pressure is there in a home run derby? <laughs> Zero. People talk about. I mean, people talk about pressure with Harper because he's a 19 year old kid. There's been pressure on Harper his whole. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when at he was 16. 16 yeah. If he was gonna fold under pressure, he would have done it by now. Yeah. No, he uh, he definitely likes this stuff. Well. Uh, moving on to a, another call-up that we had, Ryan Perry. Uh, haven't uh, really seen a whole lot of this to make an impression. We, he's had one inning well. pitch. I, 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 uh, he I, gave up a run, gave up three hits. 
Um, I, I just feel like there was a reason he was DFA'd after spring training. It wasn't DFA. He sent to the minors. Yeah. An option. An option. Okay. Yes. Well, there was a reason he was optioned. There was a reason the Tigers probably didn't want him. Yeah. There was a reason he was optioned. We didn't have room in the bullpen. He's not good. <laughs> well, we don't know that yet. We've seen him. We're We've jumping seen him to conclusions one here. Inning. Um, so uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Injury-wise, uh, Zimmerman was fielding as of the 1st of May. Uh, he was talking about, you know, perhaps returning on the 6th. Sounds more like he's going to be returning on the 8th right. at Pittsburgh. And we also remember Monday's an off day. So it's yeah, gonna... we we have a travel day there. And then we also, um, I, will, I think we'll know quite a bit more after he finally swings at bat tomorrow. Uh, Lidge, hernia surgery on the 1st. Uh, can start throwing in three weeks. I can't imagine throwing three weeks after having hernia surgery. Um, but, <laughs> yikes. Uh, DeRosa strained something. Do we really care? No. <laughs> I, I, mean, I think the organization I, made it up. I think so, too. He went on the he went on the DL with the sucks. Um, <laughs> if uh, there's actually a box there on the DL for, uh, for the sucks. But, um, I mean, if he ends up having surgery... I have a feeling that that will be a mockery as well. Uh, then we have LaRoche tonight that we don't really know anything about. We know it's a strained oblique. Um, hopefully it's nothing more than a, a day or two off, and that's it. Because Well, strained uh, obliques are – I mean, aside from – They're what, dangerous. Aside from what we've seen from Harper tonight, LaRoche has been our offense before that point. Right. But obliques scare me. Just the word oblique. Just If it's, if it's strained – if it's just – Sore, soreness. If it's just sore because he did too many sit-ups or something. Or you slept funny. Yeah. Or that's different. And I really wish they would make that distinction. Like if LaRoche said, oh, I just slept funny. Or, oh, it's been bothering me for a couple of well, days. Well, at least it's better There's than... a big difference between them. It's just better than hockey, where it's an upper body injury. Oh, those bug me. Because upper body... <laughs> Sidney Crosby was out for 18 months with an upper body injury. <laughs> a brain injury. Yeah, it's in the half, right? <laughs> uh, the, the way they word things in sports, it's just, it just reaches a level of frustration when you are watching it and you're trying to figure out what's wrong with the player. And people always get on the medical staff for a misdiagnosis. It's not a misdiagnosis. I think it's just that you, they don't put that stuff out. There's no reason to put that stuff out. And, and also, you look at, and they haven't diagnosed LaRoche. It's a, it's a sore oblique right now. If they come back and he takes batting practice tomorrow and says, man, this really hurts, and they send him for the die cast MRI, and they say, well, there's a major tear in there. They didn't misdiagnose him right away because they didn't have the information to diagnose him properly to begin with. Can I say that Arthur Graham suck, by the way, just in case you guys were wondering? Okay. They're not fun. Um, and especially in the oblique. That'd be weird. Um, <laughs> so we're... Uh, we're coming down to it, the probably the, the worst topic of the evening, uh, Mr. Danny Espinoza. The sophomore we, slump. We've kind of touched on a couple different places. I agree with you. That's all it is. And the easiest way, you said it yourself, the easiest way to work through it is to work through is it. To work through it. Um, At the major league level. Currently, uh, before tonight's game and his uh, two strikeouts, I believe I saw on the box score already, uh, he's – He's at 188, 286, 247. He uh, he has an OPS of uh, 533. If I'm doing the math right, 530. Yeah, 
Um, now, here's something um, that I did a little research today on this very topic of sophomore slumps. I looked up Dustin Ackley. And, um, Matt, if you would, on your Google machine, so, look up Dustin Ackley. While he's looking that up, let me throw a couple more numbers. Espinosa did strike out twice tonight. Yeah. Uh, Espinosa's got 12 walks. 30 strikeouts. <clears throat> His 30 strikeouts at the moment is tied with Ricky Weeks for fourth most in the uh, fourth most in baseball. <laughs> He's behind Dunn, Mark Reynolds, and Jordan Schaefer. Uh, for the record, Mark Reynolds, might I add, has done it in 20 less at bats than anybody else on the list. <laughs> right now, here's Dustin Ackley, a promising second baseman from the Seattle Mariners. He is batting in 2012. 231, 292, and 317 for a OPS total of still He is also having a sophomore slump. So it's not just not just Espinoza that has sophomore slumps. And if you look at Paul Goldschmidt of the Diamondbacks, who just was very hot during this series that just ended with a Nationals victory, um, he was not doing well before this series. And he still got hot and came on. And, you know, it would be interesting just to look back at all these rookies. And his Hayward had a bad Jason and, Hayward was awful last year. Anybody notice how uh, um, Henry Rodriguez got the save just now? Three hard flyouts. So he's terrible. Well, that wasn't actually good. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But Still we, out. <laughs> we went through it earlier. Uh-huh. He's either off or he's on. If that's off, I'll take it. That was off, yes. That was not good. No, uh, it wasn't good. Flyouts usually aren't what you want. Right. Keep going, Dave. Uh, yeah. Well, interesting fact. Um, what is your interesting fact, Matt? Ryan Zimmerman did not have a horrible sophomore slump. Well, actually, he actually, did. He did not yeah. have a horrible one. But he had a sophomore slump. He did. Wasn't he out for a good portion of 2007? No. 2007? No, he pitched in 162 games. Oh, it was 2008 that he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, Ryan Zimmerman's career line is 287, 354, and, let's see, 3, uh, 831. No, I'm sorry, 287-354-477. 831-slugging um, 2007, he had 266, 330, 458. That's a, a slump, if you want to call it. Well, what slump. what would be interesting is to look at his splits in that year and see how he did in April. Yeah. Well, um, but we are just about. Yeah, we are running time. down time right now, so I hate to draw you guys away from uh, baseball reference uh, browsing, which is always a good time. Uh, we're gonna run through. Uh, some final thoughts, and then we're going to get to an, uh, an interview with Jessica Caroli. So, uh, Matt, what do you got? Final thoughts? Yeah. Oh, I think this Harper kid could be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and also, he might be, you know, what the offense has been needing. It so. might be, but he's what the yeah. club has been needing. Yeah. As well, a whole. The, the club as a whole needs. He needs some help with the offense. The offense doesn't have that that quote unquote right. spark plug. I still agree, and maybe maybe Harper can be it. And 
I, I, I kind of, I mean, I don't think he has any trouble with being pressured, quote unquote. But I hate the, I, I hate the worry. You know, he has a rough sophomore slump. Hopefully, his idea of a sophomore slump is something like Ryan Zimmerman's idea of a sophomore slump. Well, it depends on, you know, it depends on the numbers they put up the year before. It'd, right. It'd be interesting to look at rookies, average it out, and just sort of see where they end up. But on Espinosa, you look at a guy like Chris Coughlin of the Marlins. He won Rookie of the Year, went to a sophomore slump. They sent him back to the minors, and he's never been the same since. They basically ruined him. You don't want to do that. You just don't want to do that. And there's players this year that have had sophomore slumps. Uh, ben Revere, slump, sent back to the minors, not playing much better at the minors. It's just you can ruin their confidence. You can ruin a lot of things about them. And you just don't want to do that to a player. It's best just to stick with them. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Can't believe the Nationals are already 16 wins. Yeah, uh, a couple of things that I would I would take from this. One, uh, don't worry about the attendance. It's May. This will all average out, and actually we're out. So, yeah, the offense. Yeah, it's not the best right now. We're missing two big guys, and I think Harper's going to help quite a bit when uh, those two get back. So let's not worry a whole lot there. Uh, also on the Harper note. Uh, the best description I saw is uh, uh, he, he is a puppy. There are times that he's going to make mistakes. It happens with young players. He quote-unquote miss first base? Yeah. Well, not just, just, let, let, Let's pretend he actually did miss first yeah. base for a second. So, rookie mistake. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're happen, but the kid's going to have more positive than negative, and trust me, he, uh, I have a feeling that he's going to be a, a big impact on this club this year. Um and if he keeps playing like this, he's not going back down, no matter who's coming yeah. back. Uh, Rick Ankeel will be a base bat or a, a bench bat at that point. Um, but now, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Let's uh, go ahead and get this interview rolling with Jessica Caroli, and we will be back on the other side. All right, Nats fans, uh, we have a, a special interview here. Um, Jessica Caroli uh, is here with us. She covers the... Uh, the Eastern League. The Eastern League. Yeah. All right, Dave, uh, let's get it going. All right, so um, we're not going to bury the lead here. We're going to jump right into it. Uh, Bryce Harper was uh, called up, and uh, you interviewed uh, Tony Beasley about him, and you've uh, seen Harper play. Uh, what are your impressions of him? Um, I'd just say that I think that a lot of uh, the attention – directed at him um, is negative and, and it's not, it's definitely not, in my opinion, it's not earned. Um, I don't think that, um, I just think there's too much focus on his personality and, uh, and, and in a sense that's, that's on him because he's, he's a very, he has a very strong personality, but uh, I think that people have, um, just gotten carried away with uh, with the negative feelings toward him, as opposed to just focusing on the fact that um, he's such an exciting player and uh, so good for baseball. In my you know, in, in my view, and just watching him last year, um, the way that he dealt with fans, the way that he, especially with kids, um, he took 
all the time that he possibly could to spend with young fans uh, at every game. Um, he was, I mean, not that this is important, you know, but he was always very polite to me. Um, and, and the people around him, you know, he could be moody and, and that kind of thing. But I see that from every player that I cover. But because the spotlight is so hot on him, it, it's magnified, um, and, and I see a lot of players have fun with pitchers and 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 get rowdy and and you know the whole blowing the kiss thing. I see players do all kind of stuff to each other, and and it's in fun, it's in 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 competition, and what Bryce does on the field at the plate is the most important thing. And and I just saw a guy who. There's so much natural talent there that it, it's remarkable to think where he could be in five to ten years. So, so I think the personality part is just it's um, it's it's way way blown out of proportion, and I, I think that it's unfair, especially to a kid as young as him. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of the same things from him in, in the Arizona Fall League when I watched him there. Uh, mm-hmm. Just completely on his own, he went and there was a a lone Scorpions fan in the front row over in um, in surprise, and he just handed him a baseball for you know yeah. just because he was there. So he he has uh, more maturity than people give him credit for. All right, moving on to current uh, Senators players, you recently did an interview with uh, Danny Rosenbaum, who reminds yeah. a lot of Nats fans of Tommy Malone, who's recently. Uh, departed in the Gio Gonzalez trade. Um, what are your impressions of Rosenbaum as a player and as a person? The thing about him, and what's similar to, and I know you mentioned Tom Malone, um, a lot of the guys that I'm seeing this year in Harrisburg, I'm actually seeing for the first time. Um, you know, most of, a lot of them were in, uh, you know, Potomac uh, last year. And, and so it's, I, I'm actually... You know, it's early, so I haven't seen a lot of these guys. But just um, with with Danny, as far as the, the comparisons, um, just as far as when I covered uh, Tom I, or uh, Malone, I, I would say, hmm, I, if if there's any similarity, uh, you know, Malone is, is an innings guy and uh, just an innings eater, and and. Um, not a lot of walks, and um, Rosenbaum is, is very similar in that way. He can, you know, pitch deep in the ball games um, and and not walk a lot of guys, and so that that's impressive. And I and and I think that um, he just, you know, the, the fastball command. Um, as long as he he keeps improving that, uh, he you know he's on the right track. Um, and uh, and so far, I, the reports I've heard as well um, is that from last year to this year, uh, Rosenbaum has improved uh, command uh, considerably. So he just needs to keep doing that. And, um, you know, there's, I, I hear nothing but good things about him, you know. And, and um, as far as comparisons, you know, I'm not great at that. But I, I would say with Malone, um that that's definitely a similarity. Uh, just just innings eater kind of guys uh, that that don't walk a lot of guys, and 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 which you want to see, especially from from a young pitcher. So, um, I would say that. And and right now Rosenbaum, I believe, is still leading 
the Eastern League um, with the lowest ERA. I'm, I'm almost positive. Uh, so, you know, he's done well so far. So, and by the way, I just covered the Eastern League. I have to correct you. Cover <laughs> <laughs> all of minor league baseball, but East, the Eastern <laughs> League is, is is kind of my beat, though. So that you're you're correct there. So that's okay. <laughs> Well, um, speaking of a couple other guys uh, at Harrisburg, um, Mm -hmm. uh, granted it is early, uh, Destin Hood, Sandy Leone, uh, especially Yuri Perez, who uh, really came onto the scene hot uh, during spring training this year. Um, Have you seen anything out of these guys uh, so far this year? Um, a little bit, yeah. I, I one thing I want to say about Leon is, uh, is defensively, uh, what I saw um, w- was excellent, um, which is no secret. Um, he's, you know, considered a, obviously. I'm not sure in the system. It is, I believe uh, highest ranking, uh, you know, as far as catches in the system. So, you know, he his defense is is. Um, is excellent. So uh, that's what I saw from him, you know, very quick on his feet, um, quick hands, um, just good instincts uh, all around from the game that I, I just caught. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, and as you said, haven't covered um, a lot of these guys, um, you know, this is the first year, um, but he was someone who stood out in that game um, on that was the twentieth um, at Trenton. He really was. He stood out for me uh, in that one. And um, Perez as well. You know, uh, you know, good leadoff hitter. You know, very, very good in the field. Um, see, I wrote something down about him as well. Um, uh, well, quick, just quick on the bases. You know, just a very, just uh, I believe stolen bases last year. I, I want to say. I want to say in the in the forties somewhere, um, if if I remember correctly. Um, so you know that that's another strength, and and definitely um, uh, showcased that uh, that night that I saw him. Uh, who else did you ask me about? Destin yeah. Hood, uh, right? Um, yeah, I, I think he DH'd that night, and uh, I'm not sure what he did, um, but. Again, and going off reports um, that I got last year on him, um, just it has it has a, a is, is versatile. It was the main thing that that I, you know, got uh, on him. Um, just a very versatile player. I can do a lot of things. Um, good outfielder. Uh, you know, saw him in the, in the DH role, and he, and he did very well. So, um, you know, I. Uh, and he obviously, if I'm correct, ranks higher out of all of those guys. If I, I want to say, I do believe so. Top five, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, again, early in the season, um, but that game, uh, you know, those those guys all looked. Uh, you could see the areas that they needed to improve, and you could see um, absolutely uh, where their strengths were. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, um, we we started this with uh, Bryce Harper, and actually, uh, before we got the news yesterday, the guy that uh, was kind of the consensus around here that would be getting the call was uh, Tyler Moore, uh, off right. to an impressive start at AAA. Um, 
you got to see him quite a bit last year. Do, do you think his bat uh, will translate to the major league level? Uh, he, the thing that always impressed me about him uh, is just that he he finds ways to get on base. He is, uh, he, you know, his power uh, was the thing that that really that I remember most about watching him. Um, just very good power. Um, you know, he managed to. Uh, you know, if guys were on, he you know he he got that RBI. I mean, he was very very consistent. As far as uh, you know, getting guys home, um, you, you know the, the walk rate, um, you know, could be better. Uh, but but I just I liked him in, in that he just um, just his consistency as far as um, being able to make things happen in, in a game. And and I do think his power at this point. I'm not sure. You know, I'm sure there. Are People who could give you a better idea of that, but I, from what I saw, um, I do believe that his, his power would definitely uh, translate to uh, the major leagues. And, you know, that raw power um, will, will translate, in, in in my opinion. And just seeing him um, many times, uh, you know, was just impressed with uh, his skills and his instincts. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, um, you've mentioned a couple times that it's early in the year, but have you seen any other prospects that have sort of caught your attention that you think Nats fans should be on the lookout for? Hmm. Um, well, he's he's not an, he's not under the radar, this guy, but but Cabernas, um, I, I just he's had such a great start to this year. Um, you know, I mean, he's just. He's leading the EL uh, in 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 hits, and it's just um, he's doing a lot of things right. Um, and I I would say that just just to keep your eye on him, I, I don't I think he's I don't believe he's ranked really high. I think maybe low twenties uh, in most by most uh, scouts and most uh, you know the bigger outlets that, that do the rankings. Uh, but um, so far. An excellent start for him, and um, and looking forward to seeing more of him because I just uh, liked everything that I saw um, uh, last week, and and um, and his numbers are, are you know he's really piling the hits up, uh, so I, I would definitely keep an eye on that guy. <clears throat> All right. Um... Thank you for your time, and be, but before I let you go, uh, we'll give you the opportunity to let everyone know where to find you on uh, on the Twitter and the rest of the internet. Um, I'm writing right now for a little bit for uh, Please Baseball, and um, you can find me there. I'm no longer with Baseball Digest, so uh, just so readers know or listeners. Um, and uh, also, Junior Baseball Magazine, I cover uh, the major leagues for, uh, and, and people can uh, go on the website and, and subscribe to that if they have kids. It's, it's a great publication. And um, I guess I should mention my blog, High Heels on the Field, which is, covers all of minor league baseball. So. All righty. Well, uh, Jessica Corolli, <laughs> thank you very much for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. Bye.
That was Jessica Caroli. You can follow her at Heels on the Field and read her blog at highheelsonthefield.net. We'd like to thank Creative House for the assistance with our logo. You can find them on Twitter at Creative House SA. Thanks to the Isotopes for our intro and our outro. You can follow them at the Isotopes. As always, you can follow me at Sultan underscore of underscore stat, Matt at SodaPop6548, David at David Huzzard, and the show itself at Sits of Natstown. And that, Nats fans, is your Citizens of Natstown for Thursday, May 3rd. Until next week, we are Ghost.